welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. It's 2022, and in this new year, there's a new way to help support the podcast and keep the show going. Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going like a strong cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterinthenow.com for its news, reviews, and interviews. She's been on the scene for years and can be heard in your ears on the glam-nominated podcast, The Shade Parade. It's the fabulous Vicky Villaness. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, fellow podcaster. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I, I'm so glad you reached out. Like, it was on my to-do list, but I, you know, I, we all get busy. But yeah. I'm glad to be able to do this, this podcast exchange. Because uh, I'll be on your show with Ari. Uh, and hopefully Ari will be on here at some point. But yeah, I think this is a great way to get the community to know who we all are. Yeah, I saw when the Glam Awards came out, when the nominations came out, I was like, there's like, we have to talk to these people. Like, yeah, and we reached out to everybody except for, well, we reached out to everybody. Everyone responded except for Lady Bunyan yeah. and um, Monet, uh, small mm-hmm. change, loose change. <laughs> Um, and it was like I saw all of these and some of the podcasts I listened to already just because like we're at that like when you scroll down at the bottom when you like you're listening to your podcast and you scroll down the bottom it's like all the related podcasts so Mm -hmm. a lot of us are already grouped together so I'm like if like you're listening to a podcast and like I make a podcast let's like do this together (laughs) i agree i'm here for it um yeah it's been it's been really interesting i'm i'm excited for the glam awards um i am at the point now where i'm like i know i'm not gonna win and it's great congrats to you bunny and monet you really needed this award um (laughs) but yeah thanks Uh, thanks always an honor to be nominated but yeah especially last year because last year it's like yeah it's gonna happen and then Bob and Monet when I was like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. But it is what it is. And we're here. It's a celebration. But I'm excited to talk about you um, and learn a little bit about you. We always start from the very beginning. Where are you from? I'm originally from Baltimore. Um, I grew up in like the suburbs of Baltimore and uh, went to art school pretty much from jump. Like from Catholic school straight to art school. Well, not straight, <laughs> never <laughs> straight. <laughs> but um, yeah, and from uh, from art high school right into fashion school. So that is the, the like the Baltimore School of the Arts, then the Art Institute of New York, and then later FIT. So that all of those words mean I have no real life skills. That's what that yeah, same. I went to school <laughs> in Boston for theater. So uh, oh, same. Cool. I, I've, um, you know, with COVID and everything, everyone's trying to find new jobs and gigs and things. And I'm like, 
I don't have a real resume. How do I submit a real resume to people? They don't take me seriously. Girl, my entire resume is shapes and colors. Like, I don't know what exactly. I'm supposed to do after this. Yeah. Um, so I, I turned my resume into a CV. So now it's more like explaining what I've done. So now you mm. understand that I'm a creative person, not a um, can press numbers to pull up an order for you. I can't do that. Yeah. Me, customer service, it would never go over well. Oh, I just don't have the right temperament. No, no, no. I hate, <laughs> I, I hate stupid people. I hate yeah. wrong people. I hate stupid people. I hate people who are blatantly wrong and don't know the rules. Mm-hmm. And I just have a, like, I can't hide that in my delivery. So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> now, what were you like as a child growing up in Baltimore? Um, loud, colorful, very flamboyant, and obviously gay from the beginning. Um, I think I came out of my mother at 5'4 and pretty much stayed that size the whole time. Like, we're Mm -hmm. still here. So, um, (laughs) I've just been a little, like, a little theater kid, a little just gay kid into the ballet and theater and, Yeah. Do you, re- do you remember what piece of theater got you caught the what that caught the bug for you? Mm, so I uh, went to I went to this school BSA in Baltimore, and it's mm-hmm. basically like an art conservatory. But there they have a um like a youth program. So like when you're in like elementary and middle school, you can go to the school and basically do like an after school thing where they like take you through improv classes, you can do dance, you can get introduced to music and all of that. So really young, I was just like kind of overwhelmed, just like immersed in music and theater and all that. But one of the things that really like captured me was the Nutcracker. Every year we would do the Nutcracker. Every year me and my family would like load up the car and we would go see the Nutcracker and we just watch ballet and it was like the costumes the makeup the hair like I was immediately captivated so unlike RuPaul you didn't find it boring <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh, no comment <laughs> did you have like a dream role in the Nutcracker that you wanted to play um one of the little kids there's a there's a part where like there's a bunch of little kids under the the mother's skirt and they all just like run out and they dance around stage and they have like their whole choreographed moment and they all run back under her skirt and then they leave the stage and I always thought that was like the most fun and like what a way to make an entrance like right (laughs) it's it's very uh miscontinental yes yes (laughs) very (laughs) all right so you had the journey up into up to New York to go to FIT. What brought you to FIT in New York? Um, I think through like TV and movies, I realized quickly that New York was kind of the place that I needed to be. And it was, I don't know, I through looking for like fashion schools to go to, I quickly realized that my options were FIT, Parsons, or Pratt. And I didn't want to live in Brooklyn, so I didn't want to go to Pratt. Um, Parsons was like three times as expensive as FIT was. It is. So FIT it was. <laughs> so I um, started working on a portfolio and really like honing my skills. 
and I, uh, yeah, just packed everything up, strapped my mattress to the roof of my car and moved to New York. Now, when you entered FIT, did you have an idea of what kind of design you wanted to go into or did it develop as you were taking classes? I think a little bit of both. I, I think I definitely had this idea of what fashion was and what it should be. And then once getting into school and really like exercising those muscles and really like training my brain that I realized that mm, maybe I'm not cut out for the like couture, mm. super crazy flying to Paris kind of life. Maybe just like working in actual fashion that people will wear every day is something that is something that really speaks to me. So uh, I have kind of had a career where I've just like taken a lot of my couture inspiration and made it something that people can wear every day. Yeah, I, I love that because I had uh, Piretta Victory on the show recently and she went to FIT and her journey was a little similar but different where, again, they're trying to get her to do couture things. And she's like, but I like weird things. I like more yeah. than costume things. Look what she's doing now. She's doing <laughs> fine. But it was that training of saying, no, I'm going to do something different that really led to her success through FIT. Yeah, that's and it's it's great because out of it, they 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 try to encourage you to be weird, but they don't give you like they'll encourage you to do some like weird shit that's really experimental, but then like grade you on a curve. Like if you tried really hard to like execute a technique that you've never done before and you fuck it up, then you'll get a bad grade. <laughs> Right. But if you really like just do something simple and you execute it super well, then you're probably going to be top of the class. Yeah. So when did drag into your life? Um, so I've always dabbled with makeup and gender and all mm -hmm. that. Um, it wasn't a, and probably until maybe the third season of Drag Race that I was like, hmm maybe I can actually do this. Maybe this is something that can be taken seriously. So I think I started, I really started like going out in New York, um, maybe my freshman year of, of FIT. And I, um, yeah, I just was like doing gigs, going from like Star Search back in the day, you know, like posh when she existed. <laughs> um, and oh, I think I honestly think that I may have like been in drag at Splash at some point. Oh, okay. Like, like throw it all the way back, girl. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> like not the polished, like full fantasy, but you know, the fantasy in your mind. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, FIT is known for Miss FIT, a little, little competition pageant. Uh, you, you may have won that. I, I, I may have, you know, I may have a crown and a sash. sash uh, there have been some other uh, legendary people who have a crown and sash from that as well. Anyone you want to name drop? Um, I mean, if we want to talk about that one time that I beat Aquaria for a crown, then I am happy to tell you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we'll get to Aquaria later. Um, so what was it like to do that competition in your own school? It was crazy because you kind of became an instant celebrity. Yeah. Like 
I could before the pageant was doing drag in the city a little bit but like didn't really have that much of a fan base really I guess I mean like people would recognize me when I came out um but there was never there wasn't anybody who was like texting me to find out where I was going to be next or anything like that but after after the pageant that all changed um there were definitely people who started to follow me more and being in drag at school just kind of like really changed the whole world for me because it was like not only are these like kids like loving what I'm doing but they're also like fashion kids who are like really interested so that's like really a boost you know did you have um admirers want to be like collaborate with you and be like you should wear my looks I didn't actually get anybody <laughs> that asked me to wear their stuff. <laughs> now, I, if, I bet if you went back in time now, they, they, they would they would be like, let's do it. I And I would take the opportunity. Trust me, I love making my own clothes, but I also love wearing other people's stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. What is the origin name, origin story of your dragon name and persona? How did it come about? <laughs> um, Back in the way back there was this called the show called uh, saliva Tuesdays at the Ritz. Mm-hmm. And after all of the shenanigans, everyone that hosted the show or was in the show would all gather. Even some girls who were just watching the show would all hang out afterwards and gather at a diner that was like a couple blocks away. And one night we were all sitting around the table, <laughs> like the last supper. <laughs> and I, I forget, someone said something and I start cackling. And Azrea, who was hosting at the time, um, alongside Thorgy, taps me on the shoulder and she's like, bitch, you laugh like a fucking supervillain. And I was like, hmm, let's go somewhere with that. And thus, Vicky Villainess was born. I love that. <laughs> How would you describe Vicky in three words? Um, Fashionable fierce and funny three f's how long does it take to transform into vicky nowadays uh about two hours unless i'm doing something crazy it's about two hours do you have any traditions uh as you get ready um yes i need to put on the gayest music that is possible and Mm -hmm. the gayest thing streaming like i need to like get in the mood and you know feel the I actually like to either listen to music or watch like a really gay movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but listening to music helps me like keep the beat if that makes any sense like when I'm doing my eyes or like beating my face I like to like do it to the beat and then like you know hype myself up I love that because girl once the lashes come on and the contacts go in it is a completely different world absolutely do you have any favorite makeup products who do who who do you want to sponsor you uh well beauty bakery of course fenty um uh, let me think mm, color pop is fun i love oh glam light um <laughs> i have a lot of products i'm kind of a makeup junkie <laughs> nothing wrong with that who are some of the first people that helped you out in your drag journey uh so Ari Kiki is my drag sister. Mm-hmm. We kind of helped each other out along the way when we first started. 
Um, but queens like Azrea, Thorgy, Bob, um, Frosty Flakes actually dearly departed. Um, she's not actually dead, just to drag. <laughs> um, uh, Jada Valenciaga, Prodigy Major, like all of those queens were kind of my like my like drag family. Yeah. And you know, they all were like, hey girl, we got some gigs, or do you need some like wigs or a nail, or let me show you how to like paint your face. Azrea was really great with that, actually. Azrea and uh Leopolitan, she um they both were they were together at the time, and I would just come over because they lived on the other side of Harlem from me at the time. And I would just come over with all of my makeup and I would like literally like a little kid sit on the floor and Azrea would like teach me how to like fine tune that wing liner or like Azrea or um, Leah would really show me how to like blend my skin to make it look really like supple and moist with creams and powders. And like, I had always experimented with makeup, but never had any formal training. And when Azrael was just like, hey girl, I work at Mac, let me show you some things. I was just like, grab everything, grab all of the things and run. <laughs> you are someone who really got the hands-on experience as opposed to the kids these days who get the YouTube tutorials the YouTube, and, yeah. and just practice in a room by themselves. I mean, I also got some uh, some some of the early YouTube shit. Um, <laughs> Do you remember Petrie Lude from back in the day? I don't. She, so she's this queen, Misty Maven, who uh, she used to have, like, this is like almost 10 years ago at this point. She used mm. to have all of these uh, makeup tutorials. And I think she was like really like the first of her like genre, really. And I kind I kind of call her my drag mother. <laughs> she, we met once. <laughs> out of drag actually and I um I just really admired her style and the way that she could turn her, like completely transform her face so I picked up a lot of my early tips from her but it wasn't until I met Leah and Azrea and Thorgy even that I really got like some real life hands-on makeup yeah. experience or someone really teaching me the right way <laughs> So you were around in the heyday of drag in the mid 2010s where Boots and Saddle reigned supreme. Mm. Look Queen was the competition. Mm. What was the drag scene like then and how have you seen it evolve? Um, it was anybody who wanted to come out could come out in any look that they wanted. Yeah especially during Look Queen, it was like often themed nights and there'd be someone anywhere between 50 to like 70 girls who would just show up <laughs> in face just to get a photo um, by Madeline or, um, <laughs> or just like to hang out and maybe possibly be pulled on stage. Um, we always had this bit at the end where like any girl who showed up in face could walk the runway mm -hmm. and there was always a bunch of people standing around taking pictures and stuff like that so I, I felt like then drag was a lot more um I'm gonna say like it was it was like tighter knit I'll say like yeah. right now it feels like anybody can do drag it feels like anybody who has TikTok or has 
at internet access can throw on an Amazon wig and slap some drugstore makeup on and do, you know, a death drop and a split and she'll, you know, have a show in two weeks. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, but um, I've, I've seen girls who have been like thrown the mic and have to host an audience for two hours and entertain and I just don't, I don't know if I really see a ton of that these That's days. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There are those girls who are still out there, but back when like Bob and like Britta and um, even Ari, honestly, like get on stage and can entertain you for two hours without a break. That's that, that was dragged. Yeah, <laughs> those are hardworking queens is there anything that needs improving to get back to where things were um i i want to say we should be more exclusive but we can't True. <laughs> we can't I understand say, the sentiment you know you know what i mean we can't mm-hmm. be like please accept us everybody come in okay no not you <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um i i guess it's just like maybe maybe give queens like the time to grow before throwing them on platforms um I don't know I feel like people you know see a TikTok queen and like she has like thousands of followers and they think that's going to translate to real life and that's not necessarily true like absolutely if you could do a bunch of transitions on your phone girl that's great but like I don't know if I'm coming to see you whip it for two hours. Exactly. <laughs> there, there, I mean, there, there's a difference between hosting an hour long Instagram live where your audience is whoever's showing up compared to an hour in an actual room with people physically sitting there. You yeah. got to keep them engaged or they're leaving, not buying drinks. You're fired. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the chemistry is another thing. Like, some some girls just don't have like that 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 charisma when they're on stage Mm -hmm. like I've just I've seen shows where girls get on stage and they're the same person on stage that they are off stage and not in a good way you know like I know people who like get on stage and they turn it on and they become more of the character they become more of an orator and they can speak to an audience and they can like you know just really sell it and it's kind of what's really needed. Yeah. Well, drag artists come and go nowadays. Is there anyone from back in the day you wish would make a comeback? Mm. Make a comeback. I mean, I, I always wish that Azrea would come back to terrorize us again. Um, I, I really wish that like the, the like saliva era kind of still existed. That was that was really like a special moment in just like New York City nightlife in general, where there were super crazy talented people who you got to see perform for free. Like most of those girls now, you gotta buy tickets for. Right. Um, But you got to see a lot of these, these like titans kind of cut their teeth a little bit. And it was, it was really crazy to like, think back and like oh my god I sound so old I'm really not that old (laughs) I'm the one who's aging you here I'm dating you (laughs) 
when it comes to drag and your style, um, how would you describe your drag style? Um, I like to say that I'm a villain in all forms. So mm -hmm. whatever that means to you, that's who I can be. So I like to not put myself in a box. Um, for a while, when I was working at Look Queen, I used to just define myself as a look queen. I just used to think that I was somebody who thought of these crazy concepts, would really put the time and energy into my makeup and looks and everything and like sewing my looks and everything. And then really wouldn't have a lot to say, would just be like a fixture at the bar and not really have anything. Um, but now I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a little quippier, I'm a little funnier. She's, she's uh, learned the hard way. <laughs> that you can't be a social media queen on stage. <laughs> so when you're putting a look together, what, what is, what is the process like? Um, I usually start with inspiration. And mm -hmm. then from there I will draw or make a garment and then pick out hair, nails and the face and everything from there. Um, like when I used to, when I used to do the look queen, it felt like we would get assignments <laughs> next week's assignment is sex positivity and so you find your rattiest wig and you spill white paint all in it and you slather white paint all over your face and you have open condoms that you pull out of your <laughs> of your bra and there she is she's sex positive <laughs> there it is so outside of drag you are a fashion designer tell us about this venture um, I am, yeah, I'm a fashion designer. I don't know. <laughs> um, I went to, like, I went to FIT and from FIT, I kind of just followed the designer track. Um, and I've worked for a couple of huge brands, um, like, uh, Helmet Lang and Theory. And, um, I uh, recently, well, as of the, like the last two years transitioned into athleisure working for companies like Adrian Vinatini and um, Daisy Fuentes. And just recently in the last like year, I started working for Shein, um, producing my own collection with my own name, which is so crazy that you even get to say that now. Um, but also simultaneously freelancing for other larger brands that are still, you know, asking for my work and, still putting my stuff on shelves and stuff like that so amazing yeah it's pretty cool actually and I actually now just, i got a, a package from Shein this afternoon because <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what i'm going to be wearing to the glam awards really that's so awesome i i, I have this really cool silver moto jacket oh that cute that's part of my look yeah Ooh. got that and i have a iridescent harness so those those are my big pieces for the look is that the whole look? Is that is that the whole? Oh, look? there's gonna be pants and shirt. I'm not that crazy. Okay, okay. I was um, say. I, mean, I just have to decide if I'm going black and white or white and black. I have to decide what's gonna be the best approach. But yeah, I I decided. You know what? This year, I want to be seen. I don't want to just wear like a nice nazi jacket. I want people to see me, and oh, you're yes. gonna get blinded by those lights because it's gonna reflect <laughs> off my jacket. <laughs> yes make so be fun. entrance literally and not knowing if i can fully walk to the glam awards is going to be a big part i've already been offered a wheelchair and i was like no no unless i'm like willy Won willy wonking it and like doing a somersault after coming out of the wheelchair <laughs> no wheelchair for me but um it's gonna be fun i'm gonna make a statement and this year people are gonna people are gonna remember me and maybe um 
Yuha Hamasaki will um, read me to filth. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> On her bootleg review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so are there any um, clues of what is to come with the um, uh, the incubator program? Um, so uh, I'm doing a spring collection. The colors are very bold and it's it's all women's wear for right now it's the first run so we see like fingers crossed if it goes well then I'm invited back to do fall and I can do a fall collection um and I don't want to give too much away I've been really playing it close to the vest because this is my like first time doing mass market with my name on it so like it's pretty exciting well, I'm sure once it goes live, you will be letting us all know so we can share it to everyone. Oh, absolutely. You won't be able to hide from it. <laughs> so you are the co-host of the Glam-nominated Shade Parade podcast. Tell us about the show. So the Shade Parade is just me, Vicky Villaness, and Ari Kiki sitting down and really like talking shit. It, the whole concept is it's two drag queens getting ready for a show or it's like the conversation that you would have with your with your your girlfriends backstage or like at home while you're getting ready and we have a portion where we catch up with each other because like if you are doing a weekly drag show then you would probably sometimes only see each other once a week so we catch up with each other um bring each other up to date on our lives and then we have a a segment called flaming topics where we just have all of the opinions and none of the facts. (laughs) We like to pull headlines from the news or scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever grabs our eye. And without reading the article, we have immediate feelings and reactions. And then sometimes we'll like read the article during the the podcast and like, oh, okay, so my opinions changed. (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's really just uh it's a friday show so it's just us really talking shit having fun being goofy and inviting everyone to listen in on it now how did the show come about what made the two of you decide let's do a podcast that sounds like a, a fun idea we were both really busy i was busy with school ari was busy with gigs and we really wanted to have a moment where we like reconnected and and like actually just talked and it was it was like maybe three or four of these like hangouts that we realized that this conversation is pretty funny and there should be more people that listen to it like I think we're funny (laughs) and so we started with mics that we found on Amazon and um, (laughs) and yeah we just figured it out um that's not really there's not really that much more to it the show has evolved over time but it really just started as a conversation between two friends how has it evolved what, what what's the biggest change you've found uh it's we've become a little more structured i won't say that we're professional <laughs> we've become a little more structured none of us are none of us are <laughs> we um have more segments we have sound effects we have an intro that we like recorded and bought uh, a beat off of SoundCloud for, <laughs> and um, we licensed our outro music, which is Sylvester's uh, Mighty Real. 
you make me yeah. feel yeah um so we get exactly 20 seconds of that song <laughs> that we have paid for every week um uh, so it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces to it and now we have this um I, I think it's called like a a call out or a like a callback where we like have a question of the week that we ask our audience. So we now try to have a little more audience engagement to get like, because our our, our socials are always on fire. So like, we'll miss, and please, if we miss an episode, the inbox is vicious. They're like, where are you bitches? I've been hitting refresh for 20 minutes. I don't see the episode. <laughs> Here we are. What would you say is the best part about podcasting and the hardest part about podcasting? The best part about podcasting is the actual podcasting part where you get to sit down and you get to have conversations with your friends or you get to do interviews like this and get to know someone else and like pick their brain and all of that stuff. All of that's the great stuff. The rest of it is the hard part. All of the promotion, all of the artwork, all of the posting, um, reminding people, the bookings, all of that other stuff is like a huge puzzle that I feel like yeah. a lot of people don't realize goes on in the background just to put this little show together. I, I the, the amount of times I've had in, in the end of 2021 uh, that I've had people bail, I was like, I'm going to start charging a dollar if you bail on the fucking podcast. Venmo me. It, it's crazy. <laughs> Booking is really, really hard. And, and sometimes I feel like I have a lot of repeat guests but i'm like at least they're reliable i know they'll be there for me yeah i i enjoy repeat guests and yeah. i think our audience really likes when like i i notice like the numbers when we have certain guests on there are certain people who will listen just because really? that person is on the show so why not bring kareem mcjagger back on why not get jada valenciaga to pop up and you know scream in our ears for an hour yeah. you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> now you both do an incredible job bringing queens of color onto the show um is there a dream guest you haven't had on yet that you are dying to have um i think i i think the girls that we're or at least i really want on have been drag race girls um bob monet the vixen just because that would be a fucking wild conversation Mm -hmm. um um but there's also queens that haven't been on the race that i would like to talk to like lucy stool and um mm, there's uh i can't i can't remember her name oh oh there's there's a queen here in or in boston named arabella i would love to like get her perspective on what it's like to do drag in Boston or what it's like to do drag in Chicago. So yeah, it, it was before we we started, we were talking about like the Zoom fatigue and 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 doing these interviews on Zoom, but it's also given us the opportunity to talk to people outside of our New York circle. Um, I've been able to have guests on from the UK and I'm like, this is amazing. Scheduling <laughs> of that is a pain in the ass because of the time difference. Yeah, but it's oh been God. really rewarding to be able to talk to people that you normally would not be able to have on the show. Yeah. And I just want to like look back and and have this whole like roster yeah. that I've like, 
I've had a conversation with that queen. She's mm-hmm. gone on to do amazing things. I have a conversation with this king. He's gone on to do amazing things. And yeah, yeah that's really like the goal, honestly. Absolutely. What is up next for the show? Are, are there anything fun things to anticipate coming up? Uh, yeah, so we're trying to, we're definitely trying to bring more guests on. Um, we, for 2020, really, it was mostly just Ari and I, because we, it, it last, the 2020 kind of served as a diary for us. It sure. was just like, it was something that we kind of got look, to look forward to every week. Um, you get to talk to your friend or talk to other people, which was yeah. nice. <laughs> other than the people that are in your house. Um, uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to having a lot more guests on. I think we're doing one episode a month where it's just the two of us. So it's going to be mostly guests going forward. Um, and I'm really just looking forward to um, kind of, I, I really, really want to do a live show. I yeah. don't know how possible that is, but I just have this vision of Ari and I in full drag literally hosting the shade parade as we normally do just on stage in front of an audience and yeah, then maybe it, we get a number afterwards it, it, it's fun i've done a couple live shows oh yeah um uh i did one at stonewall i did one at no two two at um oh, yeah. at icon and i the, the first one at icon i don't think i ever I'm, I'm not sure if i ever released it because the audio was terrible because the person <laughs> who was supposed to help me with that wasn't there but um, the one at um, Stonewall was that one was a doozy because I had a couple, bunch of Miss Stonewalls as my guest, and oh. that's when S- Miss Sissy Walken decided to really run her mouth. So that content <laughs> was really great. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to be able to interact with the audience as you're doing yeah. the podcast. Um, so I, I let me know when it happens, and I will definitely be there. Oh yeah, that I I was actually even thinking of Stonewall as a venue mm-hmm. for for this because they have the, like the perfect space upstairs. Absolutely, yeah. All right, we're gonna play our first game. It's called Finish the Sentence. It's simple. Okay. I'm gonna read you a sentence. You're gonna finish it. My favorite color is black. If I were an animal, I'd be mm, a panther. My favorite superhero is. Mm. Batman. Okay, I was like, wait, you got black, you did Panther. We're we gonna do Black Panther one, two, three. <laughs> black Panther. That's it. There we go. <laughs> the Disney princess I would be is. Um, before this, I would have said Tiana, but I think now that Encanto has come out, I definitely would be Mirabelle. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be. Um, an artist. My dream vacation is. Somewhere tropical. The my biggest pet peeve is touching my shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, let's get you in trouble. The NYC queen I want to kai kai with is. <laughs> um. Hmm. Let me think about that one. Mm, I don't. I don't think I. Uh... Okay. Maybe. Maybe Chelsea. Maybe Chelsea. All right. Good yeah. choice. Good choice. What is your signature number? Let's go behind the music. How did it become your signature number? Why is it your signature number? <laughs> I just did. I just did a, a podcast with. I just guessed it on Tim, or I'm sorry, yeah, Tim and Wendy's 
if these wolves could talk and they asked me something similar but Wendy has this this moment that I did um the 12 days of Christmas but it's like drunk um this has not intentionally become one of my numbers like I don't know how this happened I did this forever ago at um at look queen for like our holiday special I also did like all I want for Christmas is you where I pulled like a 13 inch dildo out of a box that had lights and shit naturally but like that the, the drunk number is the one that stuck so I did it that number once at look queen and then Ike Avelli, who hosts this show of Fifty Shades of Gay, and he's like taking it on tour and all that. He has me perform twice a year at Christmas and Christmas in July that he has me do this number. And because of it, I decided to just throw it online. So if you look for it, you can probably find this number somewhere online that I did it um, with a green screen and everything. And it's even more ridiculous online. But that's where Wendy said that she saw it. And I was like, I guess this is kind of like a signature number for me. Hey, if people remember it and it pays the bills, keep on doing it. Hey. <laughs> now, when you create a mix, obviously New York Queen's known for doing mixes. What comes first? Is it the, the song, the theme, the, the vocal part? How do you create a mix? It's all of the above. Sometimes it's a theme. Like right now I'm working on a, like a COVID mix. <laughs> Cause, cause Why I, not? Because I, I, I built this hazmat suit <laughs> and I have to use it. Um, there was this meme that was going around where it was like gays during COVID and it's like a hazmat suit with the ass completely cut out. And it was Naturally. like, oh, I, I have to make this. So I made it and I've never used it. <laughs> so I'm like, working on a COVID mix and for that the idea came first and then the costume came and now I'm like puzzling together a mix but sometimes it just happens where I'll like hear a clip from a movie like I have a scary movie mix and I threw Nicki Minaj's monster verse in there and um some other some other random stuff but that just started because I was like I need I, I want to do a scary movie mix yeah. So it's, it's, it depends. It, it all fluctuates. Do you have a favorite venue to perform at? Any sleazy bar. <laughs> Honestly. Like I've, I've done like theater. I've done TV. I've done movies. I have done all of it. But my favorite place to perform is like, like posh or like, like um, star search or something or boots and saddles. Like, those small stages where the audience is there, the people at the bar are barely paying attention. Yep. Everybody's drunk and having a good time. If, some, if a song comes on that everyone knows, they're singing along to it. Like I like thrive on that kind of energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going, so in preparing for the podcast, I was going through your social media, your Instagram, and I was going through the tagged photos and it's like, was the last time the, that I saw you perform was Tara Hyman's Invasion? Oh, and that's very possible, honestly. <laughs> I think so. That was the last tag photo of that I had of you. Um, that, that one was a show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything Tara does is a show. Yeah, literally. Even her social media to this day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you, 
obviously drag roulette's a big part of um drag shows is there one song you wish people would stop requesting um uh, yeah toxic by britney spears okay all right <laughs> like i love it but it is the patron saint of drag at this point like we just need to lay things at the altar and leave her where she is. Let's move on, girls. I mean, Britney's coming out with some new music soon anyway, so we'll we'll get something. All right. Well, speaking of music, music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. Welcome to Vicky's Ultimate Playlist. <laughs> uh, All right. You ready to go? Yeah. All right, number one, a song from your childhood. Um, a song from my childhood. Mm, I'm going down, Mary J. Lies. A song you hated but now love. Mm, Thought Shit by Megan Thee Stallion. A song that gets you in the mood to party. Have Mercy by Chloe. A song you listen to when you're down. Heartbreaker by Pink. A song from your favorite Disney movie. Oh, um, we don't talk about Bruno. Yes. <laughs> A song that reminds you of your first time in drag. Um anything Kesha <laughs> anything from that first album a song that is your go-to at karaoke um go-to at karaoke actually and this is this is awful anything Nick Jonas <laughs> all right okay a song you exercise to mm. grind me by Evie Oddly and finally the song that made you who you are Get the party started by Pink. Love it. <laughs> All right. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price, but each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. <laughs> okay. We're going to do the Drag Race edition. Okay. First up, Latrice Royale or Manila Luzon? Mm, I think so. Uh, I'm gonna reason my way through this. I think that I would, per, I would make Latrice more expensive because she was on the show longer than Manila. But Manila has done like more like international stuff since leaving the race, so I, I think Manila would be more expensive. It's Manila, two hundred dollars. Latrice is one thirty-five. Huh. Next up, we have Detox or Roxy Andrews. Detox. Yep, she's 125. Roxy Andrews is 75. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have the two queens from the US representing us in UK versus the world, Juju B or Monique Hart. Okay, so I think Juju B because she is like the Thanos of drag franchises. Like <laughs> yeah, at this that meme is real. Yeah, at this point, she's collected all the stones. Like she's ready mm -hmm. to snap her fingers, honey. <laughs> it is Juju B. She is at 100. Monique is on, at 95. Um, I, I've made the joke. I'm convinced UGB is winning uh, UK versus the world. And you the prize, so. I think the prize has already been received. It was being a contestant on uh, Queen of the Universe. 
Why else was she on it? It's the only explanation. It's the only idea that I can have at this point. <laughs> I uh, the the whole presentation was a little shady. That was it was, it was really bad. All right, next up, Evie Oddly or Brooklyn Heights? Uh, Brooklyn Heights. She has her own franchise now. Brooklyn Heights is correct. One hundred dollars. Evie's only ninety five. Hmm. Next up, we have Jiggly Caliente or Thorgy Thor. Mm, I'm gonna say Jiggly just because of her most recent run on All Stars. Got it. Jiggly is 65. Thorgy is 54. Next, we have Tina Burner or Honey Davenport. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm glad there's no visuals for a podcast. That <laughs> face. <laughs> um, Thorgy. It was Tina or Honey. Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, I mean, Thorgy's more expensive than both of them, but <laughs> I was going to say, hmm, that's my final answer. No, <laughs> um, uh, Tina. It is Tina. Tina is 50. Honey's 25. Listeners, go get a, a Honey Downport before she goes up with her new music. Oh, yeah. I mean, Next I, up, I'll, we got. No, I was, I was just, I'll, I'll just call her. I'll just yeah, make a right. Snapchat or something. Like, yeah, my, my birthday is Thursday. I'm like, I, I people give me like, my friends cameos but just don't pay for them please <laughs> next we have cornbread jute or carrie colby oh that's a hard one um i think maybe carrie um but may, by a small margin because that bitch cornbread is a fucking riot it actually is cornbread by the small margin sixty dollars carrie is 55 okay hmm, i got one wrong and finally, how much can you get a Brita cameo for? Um, $100? Right on. It's actually oh, really? It is Work. Yeah. I got one wrong. <laughs> That's probably one of the best records we've had on the show before. She knows her cameo queens. So Drag Race has gone mainstream and played a huge part in the local drag scene. What is the biggest change that has come because of Drag Race? Um, they've taken all the talent. Yeah. <laughs> all of the girls are gone. Um, they've gone on to realize their dreams and their dreams happen to be on the West Coast. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah. as much as people are like, why is there only one New York Queen this year? We needed a little bit of a reset. We needed um, yeah. people to grow a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely think New York needs a, a moment before we should bring anybody else on. Just yeah. let some of these girls like get that real New York sense. Like yeah. the reason the New York Queens were such like fierce contenders is because they've been competing in New York City their mm-hmm. entire careers. And when you take that away, then it's like, mm, I guess you're on TV. It's nice. Yeah. And there still are some big names in the New York scene that haven't made it to the race yet, whether by choice or show. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still dying to see like someone like Pixie and Brenda. Um, mm. I mean, let, let, let's do it at some point, but when yeah. their time comes, it'll come. Yeah. Both of those queens would be fucking hilarious on the show. Mm-hmm. And I would be terrified to lip sync against Brenda. Oh my God. I, she's incredible. Where do you see the state of drag in five years? I think we're going to get like talk shows and non-competition reality shows and yeah. just some, I think, I think it's about 
we're about that time we're in like the pre drag period where like you're able to see drag everywhere like you kind of can right now but like I feel like we're gonna expand into like I mean we're on podcasts everywhere like the mom network hello but um like talk shows um theater definitely I definitely see a lot more queens in theater I just think it's going to be more commonplace than it even is right now I agree and I think it's going to be a good thing um we just have to make sure it's the way we do it is a good approach yeah like there's there's gonna be a drag queen on euphoria if that show lasts another season like I promise you absolutely (laughs) why is drag important to the community um, it just teaches you not to take yourself so seriously. It's, and it also gives you kind of a refuge. Like when life gets really hard, girl, throw on a wig and some lashes and fuck it. Like mm-hmm. just have some fun. For I, really, I really, I really think that, I mean, like that's honestly why I, I got into drag. It's because like, like everything was so overwhelming and so much work and so hard. And I was just like, I want to wear my own clothes and I want to go out and like get drunk with my friends and be silly and have fun and sometimes get on stage and perform. And if I can make a dollar or two while that happens, all the better. (laughs) All right. We are going to play everyone's favorite game. It is time for tea time where you are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, peers, enemies people you took a photo with people you had on the podcast people you love people you hate i don't know we're gonna find out are you ready oh sounds shady i'm in all right first up let's talk about katrina lovelace love katrina she is my drag niece (laughs) um and she's a really hardworking queen um she's uh throwing herself around doing these splits on concrete which I can't mm-hmm. can't agree with, but you know she's she's really she's really doing her thing. She helped during COVID. She helped keep a lot of us going. She helped keep a lot of us connected to the community in drag with her her digital drag shows that she would have every month. So yep. she's 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 a good one to watch out for. I love that bitch. Next up, Lola Michelle Kiki. Oh, that rotted gutter queen. Lola is. Ari Kiki's first drag child. So again, another niece. You know what they say about Puerto Rican women. Um, <laughs> she, she is brash and loud and just a good time. I, I really love her. And she's also really working her ass off in the city. Yeah. Next up, Godiva Romance. Okay, so this one happens to be my drag child. <laughs> um. And she is also wandering around the city in mostly my old wardrobe at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Love Godiva. Love that she can call me, send me a picture and say, how long, how long will it be until you can make that for me? (laughs) So uh, love her. Yeah. I I mean, I love all these queens. Next up, Zalika Parsons. Zalika, that fucking crazy bitch. She <laughs> recently saw her perform at Rock Bar. Um, got to actually hang out with her and <laughs> just just travel around the village while she went from gig to gig. And 
it's astounding because she's sober now. So I don't think, one, I don't think I've ever seen her sober until like now. Yeah. <laughs> and I've known her for years. And um, didn't realize how just like entertaining she was without being fucking wasted, without being completely trashed. Like she's just a fun entertainer. She's a really good drag queen. Yeah. She's a fun one on the podcast. She always has a good opinion. Oh, yes. Yes. And she's next up, Jada Valenciaga. Jada. I call her my little sister or my little doppelganger. Um, kind of came into the scene with Jada, started out around the same time that she was like starting her career and have just really seen her grow into this like theater queen who is now doing TikToks and shit. Like she's fucking phenomenal. She's writing and producing her own shows, writing some of her own music, doing her own costumes and hair sometimes. Like you're looking for a full well-rounded drag queen who can dance her ass off. You're looking for Jada. Back in the day, another, oh my God, oh my God. Another like throwback story. So Jada and I used to be a part of this show called Seven Deadly Sins. And that was at this old theater. It was like an old haunted house that was in Times Square. Mm -hmm. And like, we got our faces and our names on this massive marquee in Times Square. Um, And that was crazy, but we did this show together and Zalika Parsons actually came to every single show that we did. That's how I was first introduced to her. And I like, I think I gave Zalika a hat or something from like, from like while I was on stage performing, she still wears it. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I was, I was looking at the, um, those photos and that quite a lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Madeline Um, Hatter, um, Pussy Couture, um, I can't remember all the other girls, <laughs> um, but Leah, Leah Paulson was a part of it at one point. Um, Chelsea Piers was there also. Like there was a lot of girls. Coco Duvall did this. Yeah, yeah. That was a slice of time that not a lot of people saw, but like, bitch, she was doing, like she was on Broadway. There it is. All right, next up. What's the tea on Svetlana Stoli? Svetlana. Um, love has have done so Svetlana did my um I used to do the show at Boots and Saddles. It was like I think I was the last girl to go on literally at midnight on like a Monday or something. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like a graveyard shift. But she would perform her numbers for four people the same way she performed her numbers for 40 people. So like the girl always brings a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time and always has like some crazy concept or a look that she's pulling and look at her now. She's the den mother of Lucky Chang's. Who knew? Next up, Kareem McJagger. Ah, love. By the way, I have done costumes for half of the people on this list. (laughs) Um, did a glam awards look for kareem just 
Kareem is just one of those queens who is really supportive of just drag in general. And if they make a connection with you as a queen, you're kind of friends forever. And that's kind of been really true for our friendship. Um, they invited me to do a New Year's, to like host a New Year's party at, um, fuck, I can't remember what it used to be called. Um, Mm, I don't remember, but bar on 19th street, um, had, and like, they just invited me to do new years with them, got a whole table, got champagne. I got to like invite all my girls and do that whole thing. And like, just genuinely a really nice person. Yeah. Well, if we're going to go from cream, let's do a little glow back. Britta filter. Britta glow back. Yeah. I taught Britta her face, actually. Oh yeah, mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of those lessons apply to today, <laughs> but <laughs> she, girl, she, yeah, definitely started with her. She, I remember when Britta first got started with that, like that, like baby powder highlight that she was doing. Oof, mom. Um, but. Britta always struck me as like a very like fun queen. We did a couple of invasions together at Stonewall, a couple of um, riots together at Stonewall. She is a fucking force when she performs. Like if you haven't seen Britta Filter perform live, honestly, if you haven't seen any of these queens perform live, I don't know what rock you're living under, but Britta just like, uh, again, another powerhouse performer. All right, you mentioned you beat her before. Aquaria. Aquaria um, did Haunted Mansions with her two years in a row. Um, She is super creative, super sweet, such a sweet queen. Um, Or like super early in her career, she and I had like, you know, an altercation where I may or may not have like taken a crown from her. And she was just very gracious about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't really get a lot of one-on-one time with her, but just based off of, you know, the few interactions that we had, absolutely fucking love her. Next up, Bob the Drag Queen. Bob, um, like, like, I, yeah queen among queens she love her listen to everything that she does listen and follow everything that she does now um i don't know if i've made costumes for bob but some things that i have made have ended up on bob somehow (laughs) fair like like i made something for i think i made something for monet that and mob and bob and monet share things all the time so like something of mine popped up on her instagram once i was like oh that's nice thanks for the tag (laughs) suisse Um, but yeah, as like, as a person, super, super amazing, super nice. They are the one who introduced me to Look Queen. They brought me on. I was one of the first um, hosts of the show and, or host of the party. I guess it was a party and then a show. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Bob, Bob is fucking hilarious. And Bob on... Her podcast is the same person in person. So uh, all of that is real. <laughs> Next up, 
Tim Moss. Tim, I just spoke to him recently, like literally yesterday. Um, ball of energy, such a great voice, so well-versed in theater. Um, someone that also like when you show them support will definitely come out and show you support no matter what. Um, and is not selfish with his connections because mama has a few. So <laughs> she really like put me in contact with a lot of um, a lot of people in theater. And even through this whole podcast thing has been like, you know, popping in. Um, I just did an interview with them recently. So they are going to show up on the Shade Parade at some point. Amazing. So yeah, loved him. Next, next up, Ike Avelli. Ike. Ike Avelli is... Ike is daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he supported my drag habit before anyone else did. Um, Ike had his first show at some theater somewhere. Um, and he invited me, my sister Ari Kiki, and Mary Muscles, my other drag sister, to come and like introduce him and do like an opening number for his very first show. And from then on, he just kept booking me. So I got to like go on tour with him. I've been literally all up and down the Eastern Seaboard, telling jokes, doing numbers. It was crazy because he like took me to Baltimore to do drag and that was the only time I've ever done drag in Baltimore awesome. um but yeah that's daddy he 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 uh he really walked he really looked out for me at the at the beginning of this career last but certainly not least Ari Kiki that rotted gutter whore um no she's she's genuinely my best friend um, the one person who inspired me to get in drag and then inspired me to keep making my drag better because of how bad her was. No, um, because <laughs> <laughs> she, when we first started doing drag, she was actually the first one who got me on stage before I was just like, traipsing around parties and going from, you know, club to club, just giving some basic female delusion. And she was the one who was like, girl, we should lip sync. We should do a number or something sometime. So she actually got me to perform at Boots and Saddles for the very first time in my career, which was really great. And I dragged her out to uh, Saliva Tuesdays at the Ritz, where she then later won Miss or Our Lady of Saliva. So mm -hmm. she's welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we've kind of been there for each other throughout this whole thing just kind right. of like pushing each other and like giving each other new opportunities or bringing new opportunities to each other's attention she was the reason that I got to do Tales of the City actually um, as an extra and she she was the one who also got got all of us into Stonewall. She got me, Mary, Katrina, Lola, Godiva, pretty yeah. much all, all of us that got to perform at Stonewall was because Ari kind of like kicked that door down and was like holding it open for the other girls to come in behind her. So genuine sweetheart, love her. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs>
you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching videos of? Um, extreme pedicures. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the pimple popper like thing. But oh wow. I can't I can't get into the pimples because there's too much like yeah, there's too much yeah. oozy grossness, but extreme pedicures. I can get into. I can watch you like shave off a, a couple of layers of skin and see wow. what's happening under there. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> if you could eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ass. There it is. <laughs> and if you had to pick one New York City drag artist to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Mm. Now you can go for getting that million or you can go for good TV. Which way are you going? A lot of McGriddles. All right. <laughs> because behind all that brash bitterness is a very, very strapping young gentleman. All right. <laughs> so I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. And this is a question from JWB, another glam nominee. Um, Again, this is a question from her. Don't yell at me. She wants to know, do you regret how you lost your virginity? Oh, absolutely. I lost <laughs> my Absolutely. Who doesn't? Fair, that's true. <laughs> I lost my virginity behind, get this, a church in the woods behind my family's church. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of sexual scenarios that have played out afterwards that just wouldn't have happened if I had done it That's differently. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be a question about anything you want. Mm-hmm. A question. Hmm. What is your favorite fantasy character? All right. I'm here for it. Well, we here at Block Talk want to always expand the community. Who would you like to hear an interview from on Block Talk in the future? Um, I would love if you could, have you ever interviewed Pattaya Hart? I have not. She's a hard one to get a hold of sometimes. Yeah. Well, she's on this Miss Content or the yeah. Miss Gay America circuit right now, but mm-hmm. would love, like I've been trying to get her forever on yeah. the shape rate and she just literally never sits still. So Correct. to pick right. her brain and get some of those stories, girl, like she goes to like, I think she goes to either like Vietnam or something to get her costumes made. Like, bitch has costumes. Yeah, they're they're stunning. She and and she's like, stunning. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I don't have things shipped to me. I just go and like get them made on my body and then just get on the plane. Like, work, mom. Okay. What a what a life. What a life. Stiletto steps to follow in. Okay. <laughs> Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, any projects you want to plug, any any websites we need to go to? So you can look for Vicky at I Hate Vicky Villaness on Instagram. And that's where I pretty much put everything that I'm doing currently. You can find the Shape Parade at Shape Parade Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you uh, just keep an ear out, you'll be sure to find out when this Shein project is coming. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was great. 
The biggest thanks to Vicky for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.